rocking around the Christmas tree. Have a holy, jolly Christmas. It's the most wonderful time. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle Tired of an endless loop of pop Christmas music? Coming December 24th, sacred music for the Christmas season. LutheranPublicRadio.org Serenity Stability Solemnity Lutheran Public Radio, sacred music for the Christmas season. Coming Christmas Eve at LutheranPublicRadio.org argument that you may have heard or you may have actually read it in E.J. Dion's column recently. The argument is, why are Christians so upset about same-sex marriage when they've compromised, maybe even acquiesced to the culture and accepted the fact on other things that the Bible condemns with respect to marriage, like divorce and adultery? Is it a fair argument? Have Christians actually acquiesced on those issues while for some reason inconsistently holding the line on same-sex marriage. Welcome back to Issues Etc. Dr. Albert Moeller joins us. We're going to talk about E.J. Dion's column, A Question to Conservative Christians on Gay Marriage. Why draw the line here? Dr. Moeller is president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He's author of several books, including The Gathering Storm and We Cannot Be Silent, and a recent column for World News Group titled, Why Draw the Line Here? Dr. Moeller, welcome back. Thanks. It's always great to be with you guys. I would like your reaction to former President Donald Trump's statement last week. He was at a gala for log cabin Republicans, and he said this, quote, We are fighting for the gay community, and we are fighting and fighting hard. With the help of many of the people here tonight in recent years, our movement has taken incredible strides. The strides you've made here are incredible, end quote. Your response. Well, I think you'll understand what I say when I'm pretty confident that Donald Trump never read Paul Tillich. But, uh, you know, Tillich's concept of the eternal now is the best description I know of Donald Trump. Everything is right now. And in that right now, he basically, I think, revealed who he is on the issue of sexual ethics and just declared himself, as he has before, frankly, as a proponent of the, the whole LGBTQ rights movement. The net effect of his presidency for four years was, especially in the courts, a return to constitutional jurisprudence. But on many of these issues, we just have to be really clear. Personally, Donald Trump has few surprises left when it comes to this kind of statement. What did columnist E.J. Dion of The Washington Post recently write about same-sex marriage? Well, you know, E.J. Dionne was basically, in his own condescending kind of elitist way, trying to say to Christians, just get over this. It's the world's moved on. All right-thinking people celebrate Congress's action and the president's uh, signing action on the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. You're on the wrong side of history. This is going to embarrass you one day. And then he asked a question that I just had to, to respond to, and he says, why draw on the line here? He says, look, we have, we have divorce, we have promiscuity. 
the church doesn't seem too up in arms about those things. So why are you so up in arms, even on religious liberty issues, when it comes to something like same-sex marriage? But, you know, that's at least a good question. Whether he intended it uh, honestly or not, it's a question that deserves an answer. Dion says that he does not see Christians reacting with that same ferocious response to divorce and adultery. Does he have a point? He does have a point, but he's not just a columnist. He's also a liberal Roman Catholic. And so it's kind of hard to take that from uh, someone who uh, basically is a part of the liberal wing of Catholicism that, for instance, would give Ted Kennedy an annulment for his first marriage that ended in divorce in order just to get over the divorce issue. Liberal Protestants basically at least accommodated themselves to divorce as what they said at the time in the 60s and 70s was a bad option, maybe the worst option, except for damage to the family by internal stress, etc. Conservative Protestants basically held that line in terms of defending marriage against divorce quite a bit longer. But by the time you get to the 1990s, evangelicals are failing across the board on the divorce issue. Liberal Protestants are celebrating it as a form of liberation. So, no, I'd, I'd say Dion has a point that we haven't done too well in divorce, but Look, I'm a part of a church that would not tolerate divorce, period. And it's a church filled with young people and mostly married young people, and divorce is unthinkable. And that's true of so many biblical congregations. So, yeah, evangelicalism as an ism has it done too well here, but authentic evangelical Christianity, I think, is doing a lot better than E.J. Dion would ever know. Is it fair to argue, as Dion does, that Christians have really accommodated themselves to divorce and adultery? Well, I think certainly not across the board. Maybe that's what he observes, but it says probably more about the circles of which he's a part than anything else. I can guarantee you that in my Southern Baptist circles, there is no accommodation to adultery, period. And when it comes to divorce, look, divorce affects one's standing within Southern Baptist churches, and there are extremely rare examples of someone who is a divorced pastor of a major Southern Baptist church, and that would almost assuredly have to be after some investigation as to uh, innocence versus responsibility in the divorce. So the bottom line is, I'm not going to accept a blanket charge of accommodation. But look, if you're looking at the cultural level, and you're looking at much of what's identified by pollsters as Christianity— well, that's accommodation is pretty much across the board. You say structures against both adultery and divorce make sense only in the context of knowing what marriage is, the lifelong exclusive commitment and conjugal union of a man and a woman. What do you mean by that, Dr. Muller? Yeah, so, you know, it's really interesting, and this, this turns out to be a deeply biblical logic. There is no such sin of divorce unless the reality of marriage. There is actually no possibility of the sin of adultery unless there is the institution of marriage. And so marriage precedes the possibility of adultery and divorce. And adultery and divorce only makes sense if you know what marriage is. And so that's the argument, and it's as old as Christian moral thinking, and frankly as old as the logic of the Old Testament. Marriage changes everything. But if marriage is going to change everything, you've got to know what marriage is. Again, just looking at the ancient world, even before you get to, say, the Christian age, just look at the ancient world, it's really clear that every society got to marriage and got to a way of defining marriage, and in every case, it was decidedly heterosexual, because it was essentially conjugal and reproductive. 
How is the legalization of same-sex marriage an attempt to redefine marriage, not just expand its definition, but to redefine it? Yeah, because the conjugal and, and procreative nature of marriage has been essential from the start. And of course, there's no better place to make that clear than Genesis chapter 1, where the be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth is assigned to marriage and to the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, as the first husband and the first wife, who are the first father and the first mother. And so it's right there in the logic of creation. And by the way, in the logic of creation, it's really, really interesting to note that even if you—let's just bring in the strangest, strangest witness we could bring to this. So let's just assume we're bringing in the most ardent, materialistic Darwinists of the early 20th century. That Darwinist would be the first to say there is no point of any relationship between two organisms that isn't, in the end, procreative. And that's the very essence of marriage. Now, obviously, there are other relationships, but the most basic relationship is marriage, and relationship— is a conjugal union of two differences, male and female, that is inherently, by capacity, absolutely directed to procreation. With a female and a female or a male and a male, you have neither conjugal in any creation order sense, nor do you have procreation. Dion asks, why draw the line here? You say the line has already been written for us. What do you mean by that? Well, the law's written for one thing, just in creation. Again, I mentioned creation order. Creation order makes very clear that the privileged union has to be one that has the capacity for bearing children and the institutional capacity for raising them, nurturing them. So in one sense, nature draws the line, and that's why nature laughs at the idea of same-sex marriage. And it laughs at same-sex marriage in any number of ways. One of them is going to be that if the Lord tarries, and archaeologists do a dig of the United States, neither transgender nor non-conjugal relatedness will make any sense genetically at all. It will just be completely irrelevant. I hope that makes sense. So that's one place the line is drawn. Another place the line is drawn, frankly, is in a text like Romans chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul refers to same-sex, even desires. He talks, uh, uses the word translated passions. He refers to them as being contrary to nature. And so that's not Albert Moeller in the Southern Baptist Convention or the Missouri Synod of Lutherans coming up with that. That's the Apostle Paul. That's apostolic authority. Dr. Albert Moeller is our guest. We're responding to E.J. Dion's column, a question for conservative Christians on gay marriage. Why draw the line here? Does Dion seem aware of the unbroken history of Christianity's position on the subject of marriage? Archbook's Treasury Christmas Collection is the perfect Christmas gift for children, grandchildren, and godchildren ages 5 through 9. This new resource is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. You can also purchase Archbook's Treasury Christmas Collection at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December, Archbook's Treasury Christmas Collection, 1-800-325-3040 or issuesetc.org. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. 
If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Contending for truth in an age of anti-truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. Life Week 2023 with Lutherans for Life is coming soon, and you're personally invited to join in celebrating that you are blessed for life. From Sunday, January 15th through Saturday, January 21st, 2023, go to lutheransforlife.org for more information and for Zoom links. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org, lutheransforlife.org. Do you want your neighbors and community to see what you're celebrating this Christmas season? Why not display an outdoor nativity in front of your home or church? It's a great way to show others what Christmas is all about, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Check out the Outdoor Nativity Store at OutdoorNativityStore.com. Durable, affordable, and American-made nativities. OutdoorNativityStore.com. OutdoorNativityStore.com. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're responding to E.J. Dion's column, A Question to Conservative Christians on Gay Marriage, Why Draw the Line Here? Dr. Albert Moeller is our guest president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Dear listener, if you appreciate Issues Etc., your comprehensive source for news, information, and truth, please make a year-end tax-deductible donation to support this worldwide outreach. No gift is too small. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. Thanks for listening, and thanks for keeping issues, etc. in mind at the end of 2022. Dr. Moeller, does Dion seem aware of what's really the unbroken history of Christianity's position on the subject of marriage? You know, oddly enough, I think he probably would concede it. He doesn't mention it, of course, in this article, but I think he would concede it. But this gets to a basic division right now between those who hold to a traditional understanding of history in an Augustinian sense, and those who, in a very modern progressivist sense, understand history as a telos of liberation. And so, in other words, if we made this argument to E.J. Dion, a representative leftist would just say, well, that's just proof of how pervasive oppression is throughout human history. But now we're awakened in the 21st century to the fact that marriage, of course, can mean all these other things. How do you respond to those who argue that same-sex marriage is not explicitly condemned in Scripture? That's just a nonsensical statement. For one thing, it's a language game. And the left has played language games for years, just saying, look, I don't find that word. Well, the fact is that in the Old Testament, it's almost graphic in terms of knowing what's being discussed there. In the Apostle Paul, in both Romans and in 1 Corinthians, It's not only absolutely explicit, but it gets to the level of what people want to call orientation or attraction now, because in Romans chapter 1, it's the passion that's identified first. And by the way, Romans 1 is considered by historians the first unquestionable reference to female same-sex passion or relationship or activity. And of course, in Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul mentions both men and women acting contrary to nature and 
fulfilling those actions in sin. And the Apostle Paul's not saying, look, they're the only sinners. He's just saying, look, this is how sinful humanity is. Again, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul could not be more clear about the fact that persons who engage in such activities are simply not to be accepted within the Church without repentance. In 1995, you point out, Dion was himself arguing against same-sex marriage. What has changed? Well, what's changed is the the society. Because remember, Barack Obama, when he was an Illinois state senator, was for it. When he ran for president the first time, he was against it. And then when he ran for re-election, and Joe Biden claims credit for this, of course, he was for it again. So it tells you how the politics work. You know, there in that neighborhood around the University of Chicago, it was great to be for it politically back in the uh, in the 1990s, but not so when he was running for statewide election in Illinois, not so when he ran for president the first time. But by the time he ran for re-election, it was politically expedient to be for it. E.J. Dionne was against it, and yet probably not against it in any ontological deep sense, but he was against it until he was for it. And, you know, that's the same way it is with so many of these sexual issues. Look at the transgender equation. It's unfolding, if anything, faster before our eyes, and the left can't keep up with itself. The worst thing that can happen to someone on the left right now is to write an article in 2021 that he's going to have to wear sackcloth and ashes for in 2025. How do some Christians' willingness to acquiesce on same-sex marriage make matters worse for us? Well, first of all, any compromise in the church or any compromise in the name of Christ is deeply costly to the church in terms of public witness and credibility. The second thing is, it just gives the left the ability to say, look, these guys get it. Why don't the rest of you get it? This is, I think, going to be the major dividing line in institutional Christianity in the United States. As a theologian and as an heir of the Reformation, I might wish that that line had been drawn in another place. But you know what? It's like war. Just ask a nation that's been invaded. You don't get to decide the issue, but this is an issue we can't run from. And yes, we're going to find out where the true church is, because the true church has nowhere to go except faithfulness to the Word of God. What is at stake for Christians when it comes to same-sex marriage? Well, you know, it's interesting that, first of all, what's at stake is, let's just say, the first-level moral credibility of the Church. Because if you accept same-sex marriage, you're actually accepting the totality of a great moral revolt, which we believe to be against biblical Christianity, and also deeply injurious to society. But that's the first level. The second level, it really means that the Church is putting itself above the Word of God and making moral declarations. And I can't think of any of any greater danger than that, frankly, to the Church. At yet another level, the Church has just ruined one of the most important revealed teachings about the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Bride of Christ, with the picture of the coming glory of the marriage supper of the Lamb. That only makes sense if you have a bride-to-bridegroom. And so at every level, the more you look at it, the more any adoption of same-sex marriage is not just a moral disaster— It's not just a social disaster, it's a gospel, it's a theological disaster. Dr. Albert Moeller is president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He's author of several books, including The Gathering Storm and We Cannot Be Silent, and a recent column for World News Group titled Why Draw the Line Here. You can read it and purchase Dr. Moeller's books at our website, 
issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Dr. Moeller, thank you so much for your time. Always great to be with you guys. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. In Hour 2 of Issues Etc., we're going to be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year electionary. Of course, this coming Sunday is Christmas Day. Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, will be our guest. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc., Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.